We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please! Help! Yeah. Welcome back to the Is For Podcast. I am Danger, as always, and uh, not like always, we don't have Sarge and Monster here with us tonight. We have uh, a guest. Uh, His name is James. Say hello, James. Hi. I wouldn't say that James is an expert in tonight's topic, but, you know, we've been friends for a long time, so he's here with me tonight. Tonight on the Is For Podcast, we are going to be tackling the letter V, and V is for Villain. James, what's your opinion of the villain? I thought we were doing venereal diseases. Fully unprepared. No, James, we're not doing venereal diseases. Well, I got to scrap all my notes then. I, do villain, I guess. Yeah, we're going to do villain, not venereal diseases. Yeah. But whatever. What What is your definition of what a villain is? Narrative structure is just the antagonist of the story. If you want to go more real life, people who make life worse for everyone. Well, you know, we do have uh, those villains that do make life worse, of course. And political figures, social figures, you know, everybody has a different definition of what would make a villain. So the uh, the definition of villains is the bad guy, the mad scientist, the cruel executive, the evil witches and wizards, the corrupt politicians, the moral aspects of pure evil, and uh, more often than not, the people or... Otherwise, that instigate the conflict of the story. The Random House Unabridged Dictionary defines the villain as a cruelly malicious person who is involved in or devoted to wickedness or crime, one who constitutes an important evil agency in the plot. So can you think of a story, video game, movie, book, anything that doesn't actually have a tangible villain? You've read a hell of a lot more books than I have. I mean. You know, a, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, the genre that uh, I read is mostly like just pure villainy. Yeah, fair uh, enough. <laughs> fair enough. It's it's hard to not have a villain in a story about villainy. <laughs> so, Brave Little Toaster have a villain? I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Ah, uh, the Brave Little Toaster. I have no idea if it has a villain. I think the villain in stories like Brave Little Toaster is. More or less the same thing as the villain in movies like Homeward Bound and things like that, where the villain is being lost, maybe? I don't know if you could actually classify that as one. It's a sort of like a manic nature story. Well, in, in the Brave Little Toaster's case, it's uh, a uh, appliance against nature story. Um, so, all right, so the etymology... Of the villain. The term villain was first used in English language and it came from the Anglo French and Old French uh, villain, which was further derived from the Latin word villainos, which referred to those bound to the soil of villa. It worked on an equivalent of a plantation in late antiquity in Italy or Gaul. Villain or villian later shifted to villian which referred to a person of less than knightly status, implying a lack of chivalry or politeness. I don't know about you, but somebody saying that I'm not chivalrous, not knightly, and not polite just doesn't really affect me that much. 
So yeah, but you know, two different standards. True. I mean, I genuinely like to be polite to people just because, well, it's um, a pleasant way of just dealing with people, but I'm not going to go out of my way to be knightly by any means. So, of course, I'm not really sure what it means to be knightly anymore. Exactly, yeah. So the origin of the term villain was basically just like a dude who works on a villa? Um, well, no, it, it comes from, originally from Latin, villainos, uh, V-I-L-L-A-N-U-S, uh, which referred to those bound to the soil of the villa. Don't ask me what that is. I don't know what the villa in Latin was. And I can't imagine what a villa was in time where Latin was still a um, regularly spoken language. I don't know if a villa has always been a villa, but either way, basically one of the soil from a plantation in Italy or Gaul and those that I guess are as um, good as dirt, basically. That's my uh, that's yeah. my understanding. So, yeah, to be fair, I'm on the same page. I also hate that. Yeah. So the the furthest back I could find true villains in stories was actually originating from Russian fairy tales, which a lot of the fairy tales that we tell kids that eventually ended up in the Grimm fairy tales, which I don't know if you ever actually read original Grimm fairy tales, but they are very grim and they're not fun by any means. I don't understand why we um, have adapted those into Disney movies or claim them to be bedtime stories for kids because they are awful, just awful. Lots of stories about kids getting murdered and like horrible, I don't know, gutting (laughs) and uh, dismemberment. It's a, they're, they're, they're pretty drab. So Disney going to Disney. Yeah, Disney gonna be Disney. So, in an analysis of Russian fairy tales, Vladimir Prop, he, you know, did a deep dive into Russian fairy tales and the history of them, but he concluded that the majority of stories had only eight um, dramatis personae, um, with one being the villain. So, just eight different types of personalities within, uh, without it, within a fairy tale. The actions that fell into the villain were a story initiating villainy, uh, where the villain caused harm to its hero or family, um, a conflict between the hero and the villain, either a fight or uh, other competition of any of some kind, uh, pursuing the hero after he has succeeded in winning the fight or obtaining something from that villain. So Vladimir Prop dug into Russian fairy tales and concluded that the beginning of any villain's story arc started with or was propelled by one of these three things. And one of these three things can be found or be applied to almost any um, villain in the rest of history where they fall into one of these categories. When a character has only performed actions or display traits that coincide with props analysis, that character can be identified as a pure villain. Sometimes characters will, you know, play with one of those types of things, but not fully fall into the villain. Folklore and fairy tale villains can also play a myriad of roles that can influence or drive a story forward. In fairy tales, villains can perform an influential role. For example, uh, the witch who fought the hero and ran away, and who lets the hero follow her and is performing the task of guidance and acting as a helper. 
later turning it around, but then also leading the uh, the hero through what ends up being the story where we, you know, watch as the hero struggles. So Cheshire Cat's work here. Yeah. Um, I would actually say the Cheshire Cat was actually one of the villains of Alice in Wonderland because he wasn't quite oh. direct and led her astray. So uh, Prop also proposed two other um, archetypes of the villain role within the narrative. Uh, the false hero, um, and this character is always villainous, presenting a false claim to be the hero that must be rebutted for the happy ending, you know, live on happily ever after and whatnot. And this is all to interfere with the success of the tale's hero. So I would actually say that maybe the Cheshire Cat was more of the false hero because wasn't outright was he wasn't outright a villain, but he was not helping in any way whatsoever. Right. Is the character who pretends to be heroic but is actually villain? Um, kind of, yeah. I mean, like, so like a Rand Paul kind of. Yeah, sure, <laughs> Rand Paul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. So. The actual examples I've found of this are the ugly stepsisters in Cinderella. And this is actually taken from the original Russian story of Cinderella. And because, uh, I mean, the ugly stepsisters were never really the true villain of the stories. But in the Russian, um, the Russian story, uh, this came to fruition when the ugly stepsisters chopped off parts of their feet to fit into the glass slipper. I don't remember that in the Disney version. Do you? Maybe in the director's cut. I've never watched it. <laughs> I, I can't tell you the last time I watched um, Cinderella. I know we put Cinderella on here for the girls one day, but I, I don't remember. But I'd like to, I'd like to read the original Cinderella just because if there's something so you know so left turn as the stepsisters cutting off parts of their feet to fit into the slipper, I'm just curious what else is in there that we don't know. So. The other archetype that Prop put together is uh, the Dispatcher. So one who sends the hero on their quest, uh, beginning their request may appear innocent, but the Dispatcher's real intentions to send the hero on a journey to get rid of him. So he can do, or he or she can do what they want. So another one that doesn't quite fit the um, archetype that Prop came up with is the devil, the devil character, almost, well, I wouldn't say almost every, I mean, there's um, a lot of stories where the devil, you know, appears as the protagonist to help push people along, but really feeds to their, their needs and desires. But the devil doesn't hide their intentions. So, you know, up front, you know, they're bad, but, you know, giving them things that they want along the way, but never quite in the way that they want. Um, the first one that comes to mind for me is Bedazzled. Um, the Brendan Fraser classic film. I wouldn't know if I'd call it classic. You've never seen it? No, I've never seen it. It's okay if you don't. On a scale of uh, 1 to 10, I'd probably put it right about a 2 or a 3. Wasn't great. Fun, I guess. I don't know. But then there's also The Beast. So the beast is a character who relies on their instincts and ability to cause destruction to achieve their goal. The evil intentions of their actions are ob are obviously easily identified, and the rampaging of the beast can take the form of a very powerful individual 
or one that's not so dangerous and does things like, for instance, um, I don't know, takes the stock market um, and Wall Street. I was watching an interview uh, they were talking about Wall Street, the movie earlier. It was with Josh Brolin. He was on Hot Ones, actually. It's a it's a good episode. You should watch it. It's a uh, it's fun. Yeah, he uh, he's got a new movie or a new show coming out that looks interesting. So uh, about a black awesome. hole in a farmer's field. So yeah. All right. So then there is the authority figure um, already obtained the level of power, but always craves more and usually driven by material wealth. And uh, end goal is just total domination. And a lot of times the authority figure and the beast can be put together. And that's where the, uh, the beast plays is played more by a uh, meek figure. One that's not quite as um, uh, destructive in a um, material nature. So, all right. So earlier you actually described yourself as an antihero. So the antihero fights alongside good, but with selfish motives. The anti-villain, plays a villain's game and the anti-villain is a uh, one to have notable characteristics and values, but how they get to those values is questionable and often employing parts of other characters, but you often think that they're good. So the anti-hero, uh, who's, who's, who's your favorite anti-hero that you've come across and movies, comic books, books, whatever. Okay. So yeah, it's usually a stroke you encounter in comics more than anything else, at least from what I've seen. And it's you know, I guess it really uh became a big thing like in the eighties into the nineties with uh interpretations of Batman like the Dark Knight Returns or uh the Punisher type characters or Wolverine or Ghost Rider, things like that. Okay. That's kinda of what I grew up reading. So you say Batman, how would you see Batman as an anti hero? Because... I I guess everybody sees Batman as a hero. What would you? How would you classify him as an anti-hero? Uh, it's more the uh, the Dark Knight Returns interpretation of Batman, where he's like an older jaded guy who's like kind of lost his shit, and uh, you know he gets back into superheroing more for like selfish reasons than anything else. He just wants to feel something again. Yeah, and I think that was part of it that a lot oh, yeah. of people missed that character is that he does do it. I think for selfish reasons. Because you can't tell me that all of it is driven by the fact that he lost his mom and dad because how many other people have lost people close to them, especially in the comics universe? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, in The Dark Knight Returns, it, it opens up with, like, Bruce Wayne, you know, crashing a, a sports car he's in a race in, like, you know, just trying to have some kind of adrenaline rush to, like, add a little bit of spice to his life. And I think being Batman again is a similar sort of thing for him. Yeah, I would say so as well. I mean, um, I don't remember. I read it forever ago. Did it say how long it had been since he was actively Batman? At least a decade. Okay. So some examples of of um, anti-villains that I came across, which are, you know, those that are villains, but kind of do it for a good reason. Um, Killmonger, Magneto, Dr. Octopus, Sandman. Would you, would you classify Sandman as a villain? Sandman is just a petty criminal. Who, like, he's a villain insofar as, like, the guy who, like, you know, the grocery store. Yeah. Now, you and I are familiar with the comic version of Thanos, but would you classify Thanos as a true villain? 
the movie version, not so much. He's definitely like a villain character, but he's into like thinking he's doing the right thing for the universe. The yeah. comic version is a bit more just genocide. Yeah. It's different to like suffering. You know, he's, he's a character who worships death. Yeah. One thing that you and I uh, share as far as the comics go is our love of Doctor Doom. So would you would you actually I do love Doctor Doom? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, Doctor Doom is, in my opinion, one of the greatest characters that has not been given a fair shot. So, I mean, I I think the Fantastic Four comics have been great at times, have been not so great at other times, but that's pretty much every comic run in general. But uh, would you actually classify Doctor Doom as a villain? Yeah, so he's, he's much more of an anti-villain than an actual villain. He thinks he's doing the right thing, much in the same way that, like, movie version of Thanos does. Like, uh, Doom's motivations are, you know, he lives in this world where terrible things happen all the time. Aliens invade, like, realities crumble. And he's the only guy with, like, the power and initiative to actually, like, hold it all together. It just so happens that he's kind of a fascist. Yeah, just so happens. So one of my favorite people has ever talked about Doctor Doom is actually Stan Lee, creator. Stan Lee made him with old Jack Kirby. What he said is everybody has Doctor Doom misunderstood. Everybody thinks he's a criminal, but all he wants to do is rule the world. Now, if you really think about it objectively, you can walk up to a policeman and you could say, excuse me, officer, I want to tell you something. I want to rule the world. He can't arrest you. It's not a crime to want to rule the world. It's unfair that he's considered a villain just because he wants to rule the world. So, do you think it's truly unfair to consider a character that wants to just do something like have more power and rule the world a villain if that's their underlying desire? I'd agree. At worst, it's kind of a social not necessarily like an actual villain's goal. Now, his his motivations and the way he goes about the well, yeah, that was that that was part of it. That you know, um, the anti-villain has these motives, but the way they go about them isn't always great. And it's the same thing for the anti-hero; they do it for selfish reasons. But you know, it, it could go either way in interpretation. Really, depends on your personal view of the world and of their actions. Right. Yeah. So, all right, who's your favorite villain? Fiction. Um, your uh, yeah, your your favorite villain in fiction. I'm not talking about the real real world. <laughs> right, right. I'm just saying, like, yeah, you know, that's, that is a pretty tall order. Uh, maybe Ozymandias from Watchmen. Why? Uh, who's he's also kind of an anti-villain, but you know, it's and the Watchmen itself is just a, a thing of beauty. Oh yeah, the comics. Spoilers, the comics were fantastic. Yeah, and you know, spoilers for a, a thirty-odd-year-old comic, but Ozymandias is successful at the uh, the end of the story. That's like a wonderful way, where you know we have this big build-up to like the heroes trying to stop him, his plans come together successfully, and he's like, yeah, I mean, I already did it, you know, thirty minutes ago. Which, uh, just to uh, let you know, we have a ten-year spoiler-free. If anything's over ten years, spoil the hell out of it. It's your own damn fault if you haven't made the effort to watch it, read it, or play it in 10 years. Yeah. So that's your favorite villain in comics. Who's your favorite villain in, in movies? Do you consider Tyler Durden a villain? 
That's an interesting question, and that's over ten years, so we can spoil that one. Why would yeah. you why would you consider Tyler Durden a villain and why would you not consider him a villain? Yeah, I think it's a matter of perspective. So, you know, Tyler's goals like the dissolution of modern civilization. Realistically, if Tyler was successful, climate change would be less successful. Tyler Durden, I think, you know, in the end, Tyler Durden was uh we're gonna call him Jack. He never actually got a name. And uh you know, Tyler Durden's whole thing was he was part of Jack. He was part of that, uh, you know, a, a hidden part of, of Jack. And uh, so I think, and, and after watching that movie, I don't know how many times, I've read the book quite a few times, I really tend to think that all of us have a part of Tyler Durden in us. A lot of us are more willing to embrace it. Um, I know you and I have embraced our inner Tyler at different times. Um, but I, I think a lot of people have them. I think everybody has them. I think a lot of people are afraid of him. So just that little part of you that knows that what's happening isn't quite right. And in order to change it, you got to take some action. Yeah. Part of me also wonders if like the, uh, the urge to like embrace and, you know, let out the inner type of Durden isn't like more symptomatic of living in sort of a comfortable. Yeah. You know, we, we do have a tendency to go, Oh, my life is cushy and I like these things, but wasn't that one of the whole things that shit you own ends up owning you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. The character of Jack couldn't exist in the foundation of the infrastructure. He has to be the relative. Yeah, um, I have actually done, like, taken stock of everything that I own, and I've had to do it quite often because I move. I have moved so much. And I used to be able to fit everything that I owned in the be- or, like in the front of my truck, in the cab of my truck. I moved myself in my truck multiple times. Yeah. And I don't know why I didn't just throw everything in the ca- in the, the bed of my truck, my truck, because that would have made a lot more sense for moving. But I still did it, and that included right. my giant CRT TV that had you know knobs you would turn to change the channels and whatnot. And um, mm. you know, and now I've got quite a bit of stuff. You know, I have a house, um, and honestly, the thing of all my stuff that I don't like would truly upset me to lose would probably be all my underwear because <laughs> I like to have my underwear, but then also my computer. Um, but then also without the internet, I don't know how much I would spend time on my computer. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, basically I, I've got my laptop, my books and my t-shirts and everything else can just burn. Uh, I don't care about the rest. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually don't have a lot of shirts that I would, miss because i mean you know to me the shirts are really just things i could just pick up again i mean i like the shirts that i own i don't wear any shirts i don't like but i know you t-shirts like other people keep paying yeah you you've got a lot more you got a lot older shirts and things that actually like shirts that are neat band shirts and whatnot and so you know and uh your shirts have history to them so but But, all right, so I want to roll through a couple top ten lists of villains from different places, all right? And um, so this is the top ten worst villains, according to the American Film Institute. What's your opinion of the American Film Institute? I really have an opinion on them. Okay, fair enough. Number ten, the evil queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which... I have an issue with the Snow White with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in the first place, and really my issue with it comes from uh, parents' response to it. But no parent 
ever really touched on the fact that Snow White was living with seven men, you know, but parents want to get all up in arms about, you know, the guy in Milan getting nipples and all the other crap that Disney's going through right now. So, you know, um, that nipple. Um, yeah, the, uh, the guy from Mulan, which I've never seen Mulan was the first Disney man to have nipples. Why is that an issue? People have nipples. I know. I don't know why it's an issue, but you know, Disney animates nipples. That's fun. So number nine, from a movie that I've never seen, and I don't know why I've never seen it, Reagan McNeil from The Exorcist. Okay. Reagan's not really a villain. I would say that the uh, the uh, whatever's possessing her, um, or uh, as, the, as Pazuzu is the yeah, villain. I was going to say um, I've got it. Really, really have you ever seen The Exorcist? I've never seen The Exorcist, and I don't know why because I do love my horror movies. You should watch The Exorcist. That's, that's a great, yeah, that's a great movie. I and I will. I'll get around to it eventually. For whatever reason, it's just never on my list of things to do at the moment. Number eight, Phyllis, and I know I'm going to pronounce her, uh, mispronounce her last name, um, Dietrichson from Double Identity. I've never seen it or heard of the movie or the character. Double Identity. Um, have you seen it? The uh, film work. Uh, I think I saw it a few years ago. I can probably watch it again because it's supposed to be a good movie. All right. Um, Alex Forrest from Fatal Attraction at number seven. Number six, Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. When's the last time you watched It's a Wonderful Life? Or have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, it's it's been a few yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So number five, Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And if you've never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah, Nest, yeah. highly recommend it. Great movie. And number four, Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. Number three, Darth Vader. From Empire Strikes Back. I don't know why that one specifically. It's the one good Star Wars movie. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, so number two, Norman Bates from Psycho. Which, um, I don't think Psycho was a movie that needed a remake. I mean, I think Vince Vaughn does a fine, yeah. serious actor role. But I don't, serious actor job. But I don't think it needed a remake. No, definitely not. And number one. Do you want to guess who number one is? The worst villain, according to the American Film Institute. Uh, the worst villain, as in, like, the most villainous? Uh, the worst villain in movies. I don't know. Kathy Bates from Misery, maybe? Well, I feel like the true villain in Misery was cocaine. <laughs> but, no, it's Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would say he was the worst one. He's one of my favorite villains, just because I love the character of Hannibal Lecter. But I would say he was the worst villain. Did you ever watch the, uh, the Hannibal TV show? Yeah, I watched uh, the first season of it and just never went back to it. Not because I didn't like it. I thought it was great. Visually, incredible. Uh, uh, what was his if name? You should really watch the rest of it. All right, season two is where it gets good. I uh, I mean, if season two is where it gets good or gets better than season one, I'll definitely go back to it and watch it at some point. It was one of those that I knew that it was only going to go on for so long because eventually the story was going to run into the story that we already know. And I know they're not going to try to redo that because I mean, the stories that have been done have been done. I mean, I'm familiar with the story. Of course. I mean, I think I've seen all the movies. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen them. I actually went and saw red dragon in theaters. I had to get somebody who was over 18 to buy me the ticket, which was fun. 
Hannibal Rising was a shit movie. I do not recommend watching that movie. So yeah, um, never saw it. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth your time. It was so when Thomas Harris announced he was making that he was writing that book, uh, the Hannibal Rising book. They went ahead and started making the movie. Like he told them the movie, he told them the plot, and they went and started making the movie. The movie actually came out before the book did, which I think is a terrible way to do things. I think Thomas yeah. Harris wrote that one as a cash grab. All right. According to IGN, the top 10 worst comic book villains. So number 10, Kingpin. I think Kingpin was a fantastic villain. I think he's been largely underutilized and he could be a great one. Although Vincent uh, Dauphino does a great, great job. Daredevil. Well, I mean, Daredevil has been one of my favorite characters forever, but Kingpin gets left out of the, uh, the Spider-Man universe all the time. A lot of people don't even know that Spider-Man has interactions with Kingpin. It was originally a Spider-Man book. Yep. And he's actually the uh, the main bad guy in the Spider-Man game, which was a fantastic game. Yeah. Um, it was actually yeah. one of the reasons why I bought a PS4. Did bought Kingpin as a Spider-Man villain? I don't know. The Daredevil villain? Like, he has a fighting chance with Daredevil. Yeah. So I know that um, it's been said that Spider-Man can punch an absurd you know, has an absurd amount of strength in his punch, and he actually has to pull his punches a lot of times to not completely damage and break jaws and things. So I don't think he really would have much of a of a standing chance with with Spider Man by any means. So maybe he does just make more sense um, on screen at least with with Daredevil. So um, although he did pop up in the uh, all the uh, Hawkeye series, and that was fun. That's fun. To yeah, I still haven't watched that show. It's great, man. It, it the Marvel movies have kind of lost their luster for me, but the TV shows are are great, and it's, I think it's because they allow the Marvel TV yeah. shows to be a bit more gritty and um, and a bit more real. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be kind of strange to watch um, Hawkeye right now because Hawkeye is all around like it's all during Christmas season. You know, it's. It's all during that time, so there's Christmas stuff everywhere, which I don't like it when they do that with certain things like that. You know, if you're making a Christmas movie or making a holiday movie of any kind, fine. But if you're putting something like Hawkeye, which is part of a bigger universe, bigger, you know, group of people, I don't think you should give it a time of year. Just make it ambiguous. So, yeah. Um, right. All right. So number nine, I don't know if I would consider this one, but the Phoenix Force is their their number nine villain for comic books. Um, and then I kind of figured this would be further up on the list, but Loki? Oh, yeah, no, Loki's solid. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, we're going to jump to DC for a minute because their number seven is Ra's al Ghul. Technically, Ra's al Ghul terrorist. Yeah, fair enough. I would, uh, well, I mean, an eco-terrorist is also a villain. I think. Number six, uh, Darkseid. Yeah, uh, I always found Darkseid kind of boring. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I think part of that comes from my lack of interest in a lot of the DC universe overall. The DC universe seems to phone it yeah. in a lot of times. It seems kind of doofy. Yeah, and it's just sort of a one-note character. It's like, oh, I'm going to get to anti-life equation for evil reasons. Okay. Yeah. Great. Number five, Galactus. Also, force in nature. 
Yeah, well, I feel like Force of Nature and the Fox Fantastic Four movies, because all he really was was just a bad space storm. But, you know, Galactus in the comics is a giant space being. So I wouldn't really classify him as a force of nature, though. He's literally a force of nature, though. I don't know. Number four, Lex Luthor? Yeah, Lex Luthor's an okay villain, I guess. Ah, but which Lex Luthor? Gene Hackman? Lex Luthor? Uh, I mean, Gene Hackman himself is a villain in my eyes. All right, fair enough. There's a weird irrational hatred of Gene Hackman. I think it's just his face. I don't think Gene Hackman is one that I could say I have a irrational hatred of him, but sure, to each his own. I mean... Yeah, I have stronger feelings than I should have about Gene Hackman. They're all negative. Okay, I, uh... I'm not going to try to persuade you. I don't feel like I've got enough uh, skin in the Gene Hackman game to try to defend the man. I don't. I don't care for him. He's a fine actor at best. I don't. Yeah. So, uh, Doctor Doom number three, which we've uh, yeah we've already said our feelings on Doctor Doom. How he's a wonderful underutilized character. Um, number two, number two, the Joker, which. Yeah, obviously he would be on there. Yeah, which the Joker, in my opinion, um, we did J's for Joker in season one and uh, gave a quick run through of Joker's history. And the Joker was really limited in, with by the um, comics code. And it was very clear that it was limited by the uh, by outside forces that did not have to do with the comics because he just became a joke within himself. And then I like, I like later iterations of the Joker where he's a, where he's darker. Um, like the one where he stapled his own face back on. Um, eh, I don't know. Eh, a little too outwardly edgy with the, uh, the Snyder version of the Joker there. I prefer like the, uh, the eighties Joker. Yeah. Okay, A's Joker. I can get behind that. Who do you think played the best Joker? Heath Ledger. Okay, so the way well the the way I put the different you know Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger. We're going to ignore Jared Leto's Joker run or Joker outing. I said Jack Nicholson's Joker went to theater school and Heath Ledger's Joker came back from war. Like they kind of yeah, I feel like they kind of um, embodied those two things, although. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was not the Joker, in my opinion. So, all right, number one. Do you want to guess who their number one big bad is? Number one villain in comics? I'm going to say Magneto. Ah, good job. Good job. Yeah. But in later, in in the, I think it was closer to the whole Avengers versus X-Men, didn't Magneto become, like, the leader of the X-Men? It's not even the first time that's happened. He was the leader in, like, uh, the, the 80s era as well. Magneto's had like multiple redemption arcs because he keeps he keeps gaining it and losing it. Yeah, uh, totally flawed human being. Yeah, well, I mean that's that was the whole thing about mutants as they were human beings at their core. So he is a flawed human. You yeah. Know, so yeah, all right. I think uh, Fastbender's version. Of- I I like Fastbender's version of him. Um, I think it really gave him a humanity, but um, you know. I don't think there's truly been a great Magneto, but I don't really know what a great Magneto would really look like, honestly. Um, kind of similar to how... I feel like uh, his uh, Fastbender's version in X-Men first one. I don't know. I, I kind of compare it to when we first saw like characters flying, 
it was like that doesn't look real. Well, I mean, what would it look like to see a character fly? To see a person flying? You know, it would look probably more similar to what it is now. So, all right, the Watch Mojo top ten, and this is the last top ten list I've got for you. According to Watch Mojo, the top ten best cartoon villains. So, actual animated televised uh, villains. All right, so number ten. Um, I've never seen Samurai Jack, but uh, Aku, AKU. Yeah. Did you I, Did you ever watch it? I watched the first season or two of it, I think, back in the day. I know that uh, Phil Lamar did the voice for Samurai Jack. Um, yeah. I think it's funny that the Samurai Jack was on, I think it was Cartoon Network and solely owned by him, and then Cartoon Network is now owned by Disney. So Disney owns Samurai Jack. He's actually a Disney prince. <laughs> so I wonder if he yeah. has nipples. All right. Number nine. And I know this is a favorite of yours. Uh, the Monarch from the Venture Brothers. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think the Venture Brothers was a uh, largely underrated show. Um, fantastic. I floated in and out with it, but it was always great whenever I put it on. Um, number eight. Skeletor. Uh, Skeletor is a fantastic villain. <laughs> Typically have pretty good villains because they allow them to be so over the top. Yeah. I still am quite confused on how they got Skeletor so bad for the Dolph Lundgren movie, but there was nothing good about that movie. So, you know, I don't think even if they got a good Skeletor, it would have redeemed it. So number seven from what I think is probably one of the most damn annoying con or, uh, cartoons ever Sheldon J. Plankton from SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't give two shits about SpongeBob. I think he's an annoying little yeah. little beast, and I want him to go away. I think SpongeBob's the true villain because he's the villain of my life. Because uh, the eleven year old keeps watching SpongeBob and tries to talk to me like SpongeBob and do the SpongeBob laugh. The SpongeBob has created um, that thing that that parents got up in arms about Columbine and whatnot about TV and music. It's made children bad. <laughs> All right. Number six. One of my personal favorites, Shredder from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, Shredder is great. Yeah. Um, and I actually would say Shredder from the uh, 80s cartoons or at least the comic books up to a certain point because, um, I mean, even in Ninja Turtles 2 where he became Super Shredder, I still think he was a great villain. But... You know, have you seen Shredder these days? He looks like Super Shredder times 10. Does not even really look like a human anymore. And it's stupid. Yeah. Number five, Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe. It's just so incredibly sleazy. I love it. Yeah, he is. And uh, what I think is great about Cobra Commander is uh, when they created the character, uh, you know, they were creating the toys along with the, the cartoon. You know, the cartoon was one of those things to push the toys. The 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 toy was completely based off of a featureless thing because they just could not come up with the concept of a villain that looked the way they wanted to, so they just painted a featureless toy black. Yeah, you know, sometimes uh, these accidents work out for the best. The reason Jaws is so good is because the shark didn't work. Right, right. Um, the uh, the the pivot to uh, trying to film the shark to doing a first person view of the shark, I think, was a brilliant move. Uh, one that Steven Spielberg hasn't made in a long time, but 
it was a, I I think it was uh, great and you know completely changed the whole entire feeling of that movie and uh, Jaws to this day is still causing fear of people to go into the ocean that haven't seen the movie in forty years. Yeah, so it still holds up. Fantastic movie. Oh, it's great. The sequels were not not great, but <laughs> uh, all right. So number four, another show I've never really cared about: Avatar: The Last Airbender. Fire Lord Ozai. Did you ever watch Avatar? Avatar is a phenomenal show. It really is. <laughs> I uh, I don't necessarily care about Ozai as a villain, but just the show itself is really solid. I I tried to watch Avatar and just I. I guess I just kind of missed the boat on it and watched it too late. I don't know. Um, yeah. It didn't get maybe. me. I don't know. I was an adult when I watched this one. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, was, I also like anime. So. I was an adult too. You know, I yeah. my my opinions on anime, on anime are not the same as yours. I'm not as big of a fan of anime by any means. But I do like some of it. Right. I will give you that. I, uh, Vampire Hunter D, yeah. the one from 85. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's great. All right. Number three, character that made it onto two lists. The Joker, but the Joker from Batman the Animated Series. The best Batman cartoon ever. Yeah, that was a really good interpretation of the Joker. Yeah, and that was when we got introduced to uh, to Harley Quinn, when she was still dressed yeah. in a jester outfit and not the short shorts yeah. with a baseball bat like she is now. For so. better or worse. Yeah, yeah. Although the uh, the Harley Quinn animated show was actually really good, the one that uh, was part of the DCEU, it was it was fantastic. I think they threw out in the first like I don't know fifteen minutes, it was just over the top vulgar, and I think it was you know, and then it, it pulled it back. But I think it was in an effort to go, all right, crowd, this is what you're getting, and then yeah. after you got through that fifteen minutes, they pulled it back, which I mean. The first 15 minutes to me were hysterical and I loved it, but you know, it was, even I was like, all right, I, I get it. But then when they pulled it back, it was okay. All right. All right, cool. I understand now. Right. And uh, I loved what they did with Bane in that move in that show made him, uh, I, I don't know. To me, he was just, um, not scary <laughs> except for in stature. Uh, but the Joker from that, uh, from the animated series was one of the best, iterations of the Joker, one of the best versions in my opinion. So, and it was 92 to 95, so it was on the tail end of your 80s Joker. Alright, heavily influenced by the era of the Joker that I like. Yeah. Alright, so, number two, I think this one has been tainted by the movies, but Megatron. I think Megatron... Yeah. I, I think Megatron was a great villain, and this is referring to Megatron and the Transformers, the 84 to 87 show, the animated show. I think Megatron was a great right. villain for that time. I think the movies have completely destroyed who Megatron was as a villain. Um, yeah. You know. Like the original animated Transformers movie where like Megatron just killed folks. What was Megatron in the original Transformers movie? Was he a cassette tape? Or no, that's, uh, he was a he was a gun. Yeah, that's right. He was a handgun. I do remember he was something that was not practical for moving. Yeah, um, the, the the character that had the cassette tape, I think, was a 
was that Soundwave? Maybe I don't remember. I think it was Soundwave or something similar to it. I'm not totally sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm a. I'm not totally sure. I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. Um, right. you no, know, gonna watch it soon. Um, the uh, the boy, uh, the eleven year old, is very very into Transformers, but he's into the Transformers, the the Michael Bay Transformers. Um, oh no. Yeah. Um, I want to get him. I want to get him exposed to the uh, the eighty five animated movie. I did buy him right. for Christmas. I bought him. Um, old style Transformers, like the original Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not the Optimus Prime with the flames on the sides and whatnot, that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he at least does have a reference for what they originally looked like. So that mm-hmm. that's a point of pride for uh, my exposure to Transformers for him. I'm going to sit down. Oh, I'm going to sit down with him and, and watch the movie because... He made me, or didn't make me, but he just kept asking me to sit down and watch the uh, the third Transformers movie, which is not something I recommend. Only seen the first one, and that's probably the only one I will. I enjoyed the first one. You know, I, I did. I, eh. I didn't think it was a great movie by any means, but I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. The, the, the designs of the, the Transformers really bothered me. Yeah. I, you know, I had to just kind of accept it as it was an updating of them, but I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the design of them. Again, not a great movie, just a fun movie, you know. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it, and that's all I'll say. I will tell you that when it came out in theaters, um, my brother and I did not go to the midnight showing. We did not uh, go see it. For that opening night, we got up early on our day off to go see it opening day. Like, we we both had the day off from working our asses off in restaurants, late-ass nights, to go watch the Transformers movie in theaters. Now, granted, at the time, we were in our, I don't know, early to mid-20s. I forget what, how old I was at the time. So my body could do that kind of thing. Now as an old man, right. I could not. So... Um, all right. So the number one villain, which I never considered this guy a true villain until I started reading about this stuff, doing my research for this topic. Do you want to guess who the number one animated villain is according to Watch Mojo? Which Watch Mojo is not a resource that I would go to all the time, but I thought their list was interesting for this. The number one animated villain. Yep, the number one animated villain. Who do you think it is? I feel like we've covered most of the big ones. That's why I never consider this guy a villain, uh, especially up against the big ones like Megatron, Cobra Commander, Shredder. Um, this is Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Yeah, I know he's a villain. Yeah, but I never really would have seen it, like, considered a villain, mainly because I don't really consider The Simpsons much anymore. And uh, yeah. uh, what's his name? Um, is it James L. Brooks? I was watching an interview with him recently, and he was talking about any show that's been on for as long as they have been. Um, if they're not relevant, they get weird, and they chose to get weird. So I think that's where yeah. I stopped watching The Simpsons. So, um, <laughs> But uh, I also learned that The Simpsons over the years have correctly guessed the future 87 times. Um, well, you know, you have that many episodes, you're bound to like hit them on. Yeah, I think they're in like season thirty-five and put out like twenty episodes a season. It's absurd how many episodes that show has. But 
I know that there's people that watch The Simpsons as kids, grew up, had multiple children, and all those children have watched The Simpsons. And I do believe that there have been people that have grandkids, and all three generations have watched The Simpsons. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I think it was great at one time. It's not as great as it was before. But then again, I also haven't watched The Simpsons in a long, long time. So yeah, it might be really good right now. But I have no idea. Yeah, I. I really have no desire to go watch it either. I know um, Monster has a bunch of them on DVD, and I don't know who buys DVDs anymore, but, you know, that's a personal choice. Uh, So anyway, that is the end for V is for Villains. Well, James, do you have any parting words for those out in podcast land this evening? If you're going to be villainous, you can go ahead. So, um, and I'll hitch back or I'll, 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 you know, attach my wagon to, to James. Um, if you're going to be a villain, be good at it. Otherwise you just make a bad story and you're not seen as a villain. You're just seen as a, uh, a nuisance. So anyway, yeah. James, thank you for sitting in. Hey, tonight. Hey. My pleasure. Yep. And, um, maybe you'll be on again with us at some point, but uh, I do appreciate your uh, your time. So anyway, until next no time. Until next time, everybody. I uh, we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.